Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of DEI After Five. This is one that I have been looking forward to for a very long time. Um, As many of you know, as you're in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you're on social media, there are certain voices that you hear or you listen to that that are just powerful, that speak to you, um, or that make you just call out. I know I do. I'm like, yes, okay. Thank you for saying that. And so this is one of those people and one of those voices. And so my guest today is none other than Brittany Janae Harris. Mm. Hello, lady. How are you? Look, came through with the gas. I feel honored. <laughs> I, I, I feel honest, Tasha. I feel oh, honest. Thank you. Thank you. So for those that have been probably under a rock or something and just don't know you and your voice, tell us who you are. <laughs> I I appreciate I appreciate the love. I appreciate the space. Um I appreciate being uh in community with you today, uh Sasha, and certainly the folks who uh, are part of the DEI After Five community. I am uh Brittany Janae. Um and and y'all, I've been in this like season, season of intra, like personal reckoning, like season of reflection. I've been doing my very best to answer the like, who are you without mm-hmm. necessarily leaning so heavy on like what I do, like who yeah. am I beyond, you know, what I do. And so in this moment, in this moment, I am um, in a season of transition. Um, I am a learner and unlearner. I am full of questions, y'all. I'm full of questions of myself, of this world. I'm full of questions around this work. Um, I am uh, committed to being possibility. Mm-hmm. I am committed to being possibility for what it means to show up as one's most liberated self, which... Uh, is a is a whole thing. Is a whole journey. Um, I am mother. Um, I am black woman. I am newly talk about transition, y'all. I'm newly fiance, which is um, which I'm still processing. Like right, you Beyonce, right? <laughs> um, um, I am something like a recovering DEI practitioner, and that probably feels loaded, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also creator of liberated love notes, critical self-reflections and affirmations for the culture, which um, is an extension of my you know, personal praxis and hope for Black folks, not just to stay woke, but stay whole as we exist in systems that created with us in mind. Um, yeah, that's who I am right now. Right? I love it. I love it. And the reason <laughs> why... I think it's so important. I love that um, introduction of who you are um, is because that takes a lot of reflection. Mm-hmm. And 
I have learned, especially living in the D.C. area for so long, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. is about what you do and who you do that for versus mm-hmm. who you are. And so I appreciate just mm-hmm. the reflection, the time that that takes to really sit with that, because some of it is uncomfortable. Some of it, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people don't want to admit that they're in transition or that they have questions. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So I appreciate that because um, that is also a part of this wellness work, the self-care work, this understanding um, who you are and whose you are. Ooh, whose? We hear you. Okay. <laughs> in the process, right? So, so thank you for that. Um, talk to us a little bit more about Liberated Love Notes because I honestly... I, I, I heard about Liberated Love Notes, I think, right when you had kicked it off mm-hmm. and just having followed your voice for so long. And we've had some conversations. Mm-hmm. I was just like, OK, number one. Yes, this is just <laughs> makes so much sense. Um, and two, like so many people don't even know that they need liberation mm-hmm. in this way. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about what led up to you doing Liberated Love Notes? How mm-hmm. it has kind of transformed also um, since when you started? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, when I think about the origin story of Liberated Love Notes, um, it's not, it's, it's actually very much so connected to uh, how I introduced myself. And so I love that you named um, it ain't just the DC culture. I love that you named how it is absolutely, or we're absolutely socialized to understand ourselves um, solely based on what we do. That's mm. not by happenstance, though. And so, Liberated Love Notes is, um, and I use the language of my personal praxis because I was really beginning to interrogate as a DEI practitioner more thoughtfully. Um, but more specifically as a Black DEI practitioner, how I have been internalizing anti-Blackness, colonialism, um, internalized uh, forms of racism. And that shows up Mm. in really just seeing myself through the lens of, you know, being a tool for production, not really Mm. sitting with and being still with and getting really curious about who I am, but then also like who I am from. And so I love when you said that. Um, Liberated Love Notes, at its simplest is uh, a deck of affirmation cards. Um, And so affirmations used to be like my primary love language, um, but the affirmations are specifically written to speak to um, the, uh, what it means to build a healthy racial identity, what it means to um, disrupt the lie that is imposter syndrome, what it means to like think really critically. And so in as much as they're affirming y'all, they're also intended to, get us as black bodies thinking more critically about how um, I love when Audre Lorde, our ancestor says the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. How have we come to uh, normalize uh, ways of being that are not necessarily inherent to us, but uh, absolutely when you think about what it means to survive in corporate America, when you think about what it means to survive or at least strive to thrive in white spaces, we've internalized as the norm. And so Liberated Love Notes um, started out as love letters to people within my immediate sphere. My father, who works in a predominantly white space. My partner, who works in, who's a black man, 
um, in law enforcement. Matter of fact, I'm going to pull the one, try to find the one that I wrote for him. What does it mean to be part of systems that have caused harm to black bodies and feel like you are accountable to that? Right? Yeah. Um, actively accountable to that. And so they are affirmations. They are reflection questions. Um, they are part of what I feel like can get lost, especially as DEI practitioners, especially mm. as Black DEI practitioners. Can That work can get lost um, because we are so sort of like externally focused in our work. Mm -hmm. We teach in them. We coach in them. Mm -hmm. We are supporting white folks in their journey. We are um, speaking truth to power about how institutions and organizations aren't doing the work and maybe not always mindful of how we got our own work, yeah. how, if we're not mind how if we're not careful um, in doing that work, we can cause just as much harm. So. That's Liberated Love Notes, the deck, and then end up evolving into a podcast. It ended up um, evolving into a podcast where I'm just sharing every Monday uh, just my own personal reflections and affirmations and things to think about, mm -hmm. um, you know, as we as we are in our respective workspaces. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And it, it actually, it touches back on a conversation that I had on here with Cornell uh, Verdeja Woodson mm -hmm. around doing that internal work. Hello. Because so many people go into quote unquote DEI work. Oh, I'm passionate about it. Oh, I want to help others. And I'm like, have you helped yourself? Because come, come, Sasha. We have so many. And that's mm -hmm. not just white folks in this space, that's black and brown mm -hmm. folks in this space as well, mm -hmm. too, that have not done exactly what you're saying, unpacked. So how are we colonized in this space? Mm -hmm. um, how are we showing up? How are we trying to dismantle some of the systems that are in place? Um, and it's difficult to do that when your job is to uphold systems, right? Mm. So I, I appreciate and I love, and I think that's why I'm so connected to Liberated mm. Love Notes because mm it asks those tough questions. And as a coach, those are the questions that I oh. ask, right? It's like, we have to ask ourselves the tough questions yeah. and be able to sit in the discomfort of those answers or the process of getting to those answers. Um, but I appreciate what you said, uh, Sasha, around um, like the questions piece. There's this like poem anecdote by uh, Lucille Clifton. I consider black woman, poet, mm. um, consider her one of my like, one of the, the black women ancestors on my like spiritual board of directors. And she says, uh, I don't create from a place of um, having the answers. I create from a place of like wonder and like questions, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it can be really, I love that one, because I think in any context where you are like consulting or coaching, the dominant cultural norm of like paternalism can like show up as I got all the answers, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or let me tell you what you need to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think there is something powerful about uh, taking this or, or, or embodying this work from like less of a posture of like sage on the stage, like mm -hmm. I know it, I got it, and like God beside. I think that is easier to do 
when you understand how to embody it for yourself, right? Yes. When you understand or uncomfortable or and are comfortable with like having questions of yourself. I was trying to find one of these, um, one of these, one of these affirmations that like get at uh get at this like dynamic or just to like give you an example of one. Yeah. Well while you while you're looking for that, I I I'm loving everything that you're saying because um and again, we're all in process, right? We're all mm-hmm. in transition in some way. And I've made this shift in my cult, in my company, in my business to do less facilitation and less workshops because I've never been a fan of workshops, but mm-hmm. I've done them to culture change work and consulting and coaching, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I don't, have the answers about your coaching. <laughs> what I do have is a skill set of coaching that can help guide you to find the answers that you have within yourself, mm-hmm. right? And as part of an organization. And since I have done that shift, what I have found is organizations being more empowered to do the change than me just coming in to do a workshop. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not changing mm-hmm. behaviors. Mm-hmm. That's not dismantling systems. That's not holding people accountable. But if mm-hmm. you create a culture mm-hmm. where accountability, what does accountability look like here right now? Mm-hmm. It starts to shift mindsets. And it took me doing exactly what you said, right? Being able to be, why is this not sitting well with me? Mm-hmm. Why? am I uncomfortable doing this, Uh right? Because so many practitioners, we go in, we do workshops, we have some conversations and then we're like, okay, on to the next one. And I'm like, that's, that's not cutting it. That's not going to do this. Um, And so that's why I appreciate this, this reflection of how do we shift ourselves in this space so that we can indeed begin liberating others as we've liberated ourselves. So, okay, yes, my mind. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I even, one of the things that I heard as you were, one of the things that I appreciated and heard as you were um, speaking of just like the evolution of how you show up as a practitioner mm-hmm. is like being okay with the like iterative, na- iterative nature of that. You know what I mean? Like the iterative iterative nature, like the journey work that even comes up um, or that comes about um, as we strive to understand how we want to show up in support of others. And I would say that that requires a certain degree of, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like that requires a certain degree of like stillness as well. Right. Like, what does it mean? Like, when I think about like this um, season, that I find myself in. And I think about um, sort of like where I am. And so um, one of the, uh, I guess, uh, life events that has put me or made me even more curious about how I will continue to just like iterate and show up in this space um, was the uh, transition of my grandfather's. Right. Mm. And so I'm going to be honest, like up until, you know, I, I haven't been as, even though there's been a lot going on, this is probably the most still and mm. like a tune that I have been. Um, 
back in January, uh, my maternal grandfather um, uh, transitioned. And then shortly thereafter, my paternal grandfather both transitioned into a new realm as as ancestors. Um, part of this work, or like as I was, because I actually do, as you well know, I've um, do a lot of like education and learning experiences, mm -hmm. facilitation. And I would lift up as part of my introductions who I am, but also who I am from. I would mm -hmm. share, I am from Elmer Coppage Sr. I am from Louis A. Harris Sr. I have uh, always felt connected to my elders and certainly they've influenced this work. And so it was kind of, it was very difficult to manage their, mm -hmm. or mourn rather, mourn and grieve in this season. And it feels so divine. It feels so mm -hmm. divine, um, Sasha, in that when we um, celebrated their lives, we referred to my maternal grandfather as a man of big faith. We return, we referred to my paternal grandfather as a man of honor and provision. And so when I think about what it means to be still, when I think about transitions, when I think about how I've even been unlearning mm -hmm. dominant cultural understandings of like life and death, I've been thinking about how divine and beautiful it is to experience both big faith and mm -hmm. provision as an inheritance in this season, right? As an inheritance in this season, everything about, and and I know um, we've talked extensively, uh, we've talked before about like decolonial approaches to like DEI. I've been thinking about like decolonial approaches to just like thinking and being, life. you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's like life, like, right? <laughs> like, right, when you think of even like, in what we, what we ascribe as being like wealth and inheritances, you know what I mean? Like we're, mm -hmm. we're oftentimes limited to, quantity over quality mm -hmm. that's the pattern of white supremacy culture right um you know and so i've been thinking about um even in my praxis like even in my practice in an iterative form of being a practitioner what does it mean to um be responsive to the like spiritual self right what does it mean to yeah. specifically as black bodies right specifically as black bodies um there's a whole body of work around uh, spirituality and the black helping tradition. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been thinking about, and, and, you know, I've been thinking about, okay, DEI work, um, certainly organizational development work, personal development work. Uh, is it sufficient if we are only understanding people and humans sort of like, you know, at the surface, if we're not also, um, attentive to, you know, our spiritual selves, right? Um, I share all that because I feel like I'm all over the place at this point. When I hear you talk about like iterating um, and how you've evolved and like how you want to serve um, clients and, and, and the byproduct of that, I've been reflecting on, you know, what is a work? What is a, what does a work look like that supports change makers and like total sort of like being? Yeah. Um, what does it look like? Um, specifically as we build solutions and as we build um, uh, tools for Black change makers, how do we make sure that we're not just being responsive to like what they're doing in the workplace, like who they are, like heart and soul? Uh, so, so you yeah. Think, you know what, Brittany, you, you just said you feel like you're all over the place, but you were not because as you were talking, I was kind of thinking through 
not necessarily my journey, but mm. what I've always gone back to is my purpose in this world. Oh. Um, and so when I think about two things came to mind when you were talking about your, your grandparents, um, one set of my grandparents passed before I was born. The other set I grew up knowing very well. <clears throat> but over the last few years, I have been, I've become the historian for our family. Mm. And so been working on the family tree kind of on both sides. Mm. And the side with the grandparents that I did not know well is the one that I've been doing a lot more of the, the deeper work there. And the stories that I am finding through not just people that knew them that are still with us, mm -hmm. but even with documented Hello. Um, and legal documents, right? Mm -hmm. Times and age. And I read an, you know, a piece and I, I knew this about my, my father's parents in that you're, you're talking the 1920s, 1930s, where both parents worked. Mm -hmm. And so they had help in the house. And you're talking about two black people that hired, that had hired help in mm -hmm. the home. She was a nurse. He was a police officer. Um, and so how does that set up, you know, a mindset mm -hmm. of lived experience and how mm -hmm. has that trickled down? And so, I, I, you know, I've been processing it and thinking that my father was a priest. Um, and so how does that impact when I go yes. back to Barbados, yes. there's a, a whole cultural center named after him that mm -hmm. I didn't even know about. Right. And so I'm just like the impact of community. Yes. That was who everyone knew him as, oh, he was all about community. Mm -hmm. And so it's, again, it's when we talk about, um, we talk about, trauma, racial trauma being something that's part of our DNA, but also who we are is a part of our DNA as well, too, and how that trickles through. Um, Great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother was biracial. And I am blessed to have a cousin who was raised by her. Um, and she says, you know, race is not something about who, race isn't who you are. It's, it's something you run and you win. And so with that mindset, how does that then transition, you know, trans um, influence how I approach this work, mm -hmm. uh, how I was named Sasha means helper of mankind, right? Mm -hmm. How do I live in my name? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's all of those things. So mm -hmm. as you were talking, and even though you're feeling like you're like all over the place, mm -hmm. That's what came back to me. It's just like, mm -hmm. how do you know what are the aspects of who you are that tell you what your purpose is in this work? That's so freaking good, Sasha. So <laughs> I think about um, the question, you know, who are you? But then like how much power it is and asking folks like, who are you from? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, who are you from? And like, how does that show up in... Uh, um, certainly your purpose, like how do those like values, uh, how does your spirituality, how do those, how does that, how do those inheritance, like yeah. inheritances keep you, you know, rooted and grounded? Um, that is the level of like self and community inquiry that I feel like we deserve, but oftentimes don't experience, I guess, enough time for, I love what you said about this 
narrative, which is true, like, right, we are absolutely, we absolutely experience, you know, generational and, you know, race-based intergenerational trauma. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's primary because I think about the intergenerational joys and right. I think about the, like intergenerational um, gifts, you know, a lot of times folks will commend me for like my creativeness. Like even when like liberated love notes happen and even in the context of um, my role at the Winters group, I was creating, I was creating. I was like, how does, like, where does this come from? This comes from Lucille Coppage. Like yeah. Lucille Coppage is my maternal grandmother. And when I tell you this woman can make anything her hand with her hands, I've seen her take toilet paper rolls and turn it into desk organizers. Like yeah. I'm like, Graham's like, how? <laughs> right. Let's talk about that as an inheritance, right? Yes. Let's talk about Right. I think about um, and I know uh, you'll oftentimes ask folks on your show around just like well-being and rest and, mm-hmm. and self-care. But I, I think about how even my grandparents um, made time um, for mm-hmm. rest. Right. Someone someone was there was a lot of uh, I was in a conversation where there was a lot of debate on like, well, mate, rest just doesn't feel as like practical. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel practical. Uh-huh. And yet it is something that is like divinely ours. Yeah, It looks different. And so I think about my grandfather who never graduated from school, probably made it to, I think about the sixth grade before um, leaving the South and, and moving up here in Baltimore area, but rest for him looked like um, being in his, you know, prayer closet, he called it, and reading his daily bread. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like that was rest for him. That was like reprieve uh, for him. And me knowing that, like when I find myself in situations where I'm like, oh, I just ain't got time. You know what I mean? I just can't find time. And I remember that while my grandfather, who was a warehouse worker, worked multiple jobs, found time to just be. And you mean to tell me, yeah. Britt, you mean to tell me. Ain't fine, you, yes. <laughs> you mean to tell me you can't find time. You yeah. don't believe you are worthy, right? Like, and so, yeah, that is the level of, I love, I love that you are even uh, taking on the role as your like family historian and archivist. I feel like that's me right now. Folks are like, how do you have so many videos of your grandparents? I feel blessed that, I am still able to experience both of my grandmothers and then even up until the top of this year had this, you know, community of, you know, both my grand, both sets of grandparents, like just wrapped in, right. Just really wrapped in, in love. And so, uh, and so, yeah, that's a, that is a part of work, a body of work, a body of like self-discovery, uh, when we talk about what it means to center blackness, like yeah. even in the context of DEI, center blackness, and this is where we can go back into the work of the black helping tradition. Centering blackness means being um, uh, being mindful of the racialized self, the communal self, and the spiritual yeah. self, right? As as tool, like as praxis, right? Yeah. That's the model, right? For how we can, from my perspective. Uh, certainly like shift the work, you know, and how we go about the work. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so key to all of this. Right. And I always talk about being in community and, you know, you, you started 
off this episode with, you know, thank you for allowing me to be in community with you. Because I feel like that is a part of, that is the essence of who we are, right? We are a communal people. Mm-hmm. And so that is how I approach DEI work, with, especially with other practitioners. It's not about competition. It's not about who can one-up someone else. It's how can we be in community with each other and support each other in this space where I may lift you up at some time Mm -hmm. or tell you sit sit your butt down (laughs) also. And some loving accountability, right? Yes. You know, but we have to do that because we are all in this together. So Mm -hmm. I, I want to continue um, and go back a step because you did talk about that that wellness and self-care piece. And so how do you take care of yourself in this work? I know you're in transition right now. I know um, reflection is a piece of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm really big on journaling. And mm-hmm. so some of my some of my most significant um just like personal like aha sort of like knowings that I've come into has happened by way of journaling and so mm-hmm. I really appreciate journaling um I have been more intentional um around like ancestral reverence um mm-hmm. as part of my care like practice and so that looks like so I have my um, downstairs in my dining room, um, I have um, pictures of my grandfathers. I have my candles. And sometimes I will, um, they loved, they actually loved coming here to like mm. share cups of coffee. And so I'll, I'll, I'll spend some mornings. Um, stillness looks like pouring me a cup of coffee and laying out coffee for them and just like sitting there. You know what I mean? I have, yeah. Um, I have experienced so much peace by way of, and, and, and folks may refer to it as ancestral veneration, ancestral reverence. That has become a big part of my um, just sort of like care strategy, something that's like soul nourishing, right? Mm-hmm. Just like soul nourishing. Um, I actually set up a little mini oasis in my backyard. Y'all. And so as a like remote worker, it can be really, and as much as I love my little office setup, super <laughs> affirming, right? Um, the outdoors yeah. um, feels, feels like warm and nourishing to me. And so I got my little oasis in my backyard um, and we'll literally just sit out there, just sit out there. Um, I actually just took up, so I started to realize that music, so music has always been uh healing for me. I got a whole like liberated like love songs to self playlist. <laughs> Music has always been something where um depending on how I'm feeling, I can play a song and I literally feel like something different like in my body and how I think. Like sounds of blackness. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? So I got I started to get really curious about why. Um why like Music and so I've been um, taking on like sound healing, right? Learning a little mm. bit more about sound and energy healing, and it is very much so um, physiological, right? What music can do, like for our bodies and settling our bodies, and so music is one for me. And then certainly, I would last year 
I started to get a little bit more curious about just like somatics and so like mm-hmm. somatic, the somatic abolitionist space, ab- somatic abolitionism space and um, started to develop just like body practices that allow me to settle myself in real time, especially in, you know, just the role as, as a practitioner, practitioner slash, like, yes. maker, right? And so like something as simple as a hum, like Sasha, mm-hmm. like when I am overwhelmed, like a hum, that's mm-hmm. a way that I like care for my, like sometimes self-care can feel like those things that you do, like, you know, I'm a carve out some time, 30 oh, minutes no. here, maybe an hour here, wait till the weekend. Sometimes care for me is getting off of a Zoom call that had me a bit overwhelmed and like really hand over heart, you yeah. know, whether it's rocking, whether it's humming, getting really curious Tapping about what like, my body one. is telling me. Yes. Yeah. Like, right. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that, I mean, we did an episode with Dr. Rufus Spann and he talks about aftercare. And so that, mm. that, is, what that is right. It's in the moment what yeah. you need to do right yeah. after something has happened and, and the importance of that and not putting it off. So Brittany, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How can people get in contact with you if they would love to hear more about liberated love notes or yeah. just, be, oh, like I said, your voice is just powerful <laughs> to me and I, I love listening and, and talking to you all the time. So how can they c- connect with you? Absolutely. So definitely um, stay connected via the site. And so that's BrittanyJanae.com. Mentioned the podcast. And so I'm in second, the second season. Uh, And so Liberated Love Notes is on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. Definitely subscribe and all the things. I'm on Instagram, Liberated Love Notes. um, And then also BrittanyJanae underscore. And then certainly... I'm out there on, I'm in those LinkedIn streets too. Just yeah. my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in these LinkedIn streets. So yeah, right. So, I love it. I love it. Connected so, in that way, yeah. Brittany, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Um, this, I always think about, you know, when I, when I step away from these, like this made my heart sing because there was just so mm. many things that um, just affirmed what's going on in my head. So thank you. Thank you for that. And everyone, thank you for joining us today. I hope you found a few nuggets or a few um, moments of inspiration, a few ahas um, in this conversation today. And as always, you can find us here um, on YouTube or your favorite podcast station. Um, Subscribe, like, follow, tell, give us comments. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Have a good one.